like your girlfriend, but hotter. The Empire. The Empire. The Empire. <laughs> some of my favorite albums um don't forget that you can check me out on soundcloud itunes tune in google music which is now youtube music google podcast spotify and the youtube channel uh which is kicking it with young smooth don't forget that we have a new guest that will be in the building at I am Travis Case. Yes, yes, my man Gillison will be back in the building on Saturday. So the next show will be Saturday and there will be another show following Friday. So <clears throat> definitely want to make sure you don't miss that. It's going to be a dope interview. We're going to chop it up and talk about some of his new ventures. All right, y'all. So did y'all get that kick, that lyric from last week? It was an easy one. It was one of my favorites. It was I Want to Be Down, the remix. And I think I did the MC Light version. So one of my favorite songs. Make sure y'all go and check that out. Now, this one is a little bit more difficult because it's not a regular song that was uh, listed. It was basically a... um, a secondary song. Um, it had, I will say it had the brat on it. Um, and it's from a great, it is from a great. So it starts off like, so I never knew that you ever had a clue of who was the king of the street more deep than a Range Rover Jeep guns under the seat. And my man just came home from work release Chrysler in my lap chronic in the air yeah you on my hit list I burned spliff when I'm pissed release the Rolex from my wrist 
baby, no human being, Korean or European, be seeing what we be seeing. Now they be peeping in they drawers. Now they be peeing in they drawers because I will spark a weed. Brat-tat-tat-tat, please spark for me. All right, so if y'all get that kick, that lyric, make sure y'all hit me on all of my socials. You know what it is. It's kicking it with Young Smooth. Let's get into, oh, before we get into the ratchet and ridiculousness, let me go over a few things that have happened that have been amazing. Um, Number one, I got a chance to finish, I finished it in three days. It was so good. It was so well written. Um, <clears throat> my, my cousin got me into audiobooks and I was like, because well, I was talking to her and I was like, look. Because I don't know if I'm going to be able to really do an audio book. I like a regular book. I love the binding. I love the, the pages. I like to be like, all right, this is my spot. This is where I stop at. This, that, and the third. I was like, I don't know if something's going to hold my attention like that. But then I thought about it like, yo, I am a podcaster. Like, that's what I do. So why wouldn't that be any different than what someone else does? So I was reading, or Nia Long was reading to me. The uh, new Sister Soldier book, Life After Death, it was phenomenal. Um, I think that the audiobook probably did better than the actual written word. Here's why. There are parts in it where it changes and goes by very quickly on things that, that happen without giving a book away because I'm not going to spoil it. <clears throat> but there are things that kind of, you know, happen or whatever in the book and... It's, it's like you're in one moment and then all of a sudden you're in a whole another moment. You know what I'm saying? And so I think that with that being written down, it probably makes it harder for the reader to kind of understand because it jumped so quickly. However, if you get a chance to listen to the audiobook and Nia Long reading it, when I tell you Nia did a great job, it is 15 hours. Um, you know, it, it is enough to devote the time, but I also, y'all, as y'all know, I do Grubhub and all of that good stuff. So, <laughs> excuse me, mm, sorry, did not mean to call for y'all, but, um, not Corona. Um, <laughs> but it did make me realize that I was like, yo, this book is so good. It, it made you feel it on, um, an emotional level. It made you feel it on a spiritual level, um, and I think that's another thing that will get you pretty lost. If you haven't read some of the other works, like, for instance, um, the, like, the Portia Santiago story or any of the Midnight versions, you kind of won't get into, um, some of the speak. It's very, it's very much so on, uh, the, the Muslim or the Islamic religion, um, in certain parts of that book and many of the other books. So it is kind of one of those things where you kind of got to be like, okay, you know, kind of delve yourself into it. I will say that Midnight, the one great thing about that book in particular, and I've actually physically read that and have the hard copy of that. Um, I read the vast majority of it. Let me tell you, I'm still on like page 408. So I've read the vast majority of the book, but, um, that particular book broke down some of the the Islamic terms and the Muslim speak, which was really good, which which made a lot of sense. So going into this one wasn't that difficult for me personally. Um, I feel like a lot of readers are like, oh, we're instantly confused because once you get past like maybe the first five chapters, you'll get you'll get there where you're just like, what what are you? What are you talking about? But the ending, I promise you, if you stick through this book, this book is a very, very, very good book. It is um, on its, it could be definitely on the bestseller. It is a character as far as Winter Santiago that we are in, we were in love with in the coldest winter ever. Um, it does show a growth at the end. I think that you will be very much so rooting you want to root for this character to win in a certain kind of way but you get mad that the that you kind of feel like the character hasn't grown and um there are so many other details that I can't really get into but you'll kind of feel that way because the way that I honestly felt about it I was like wait a minute I'm like yo when we read this when we read the coldest winter ever we we were into this character this character was literally like like 17, 18, like she was in our age range when we, when we were reading this and we're like, 
yo, what, what, why have you not grown since then? And, and like the mentality didn't grow, but she had to go through the experience that she went through in order to grow. Trust me. It is a great read. It is even better if you do it on audiobook. Once again, shout out to my cousin Sherry for that because I love you for that because I don't think that I would have, with all of the things that I do, have the time to sit down and physically read the book. And I think that my attention span would have been like darted in so many different ways. The audiobook, audiobooks are great. I, what I'm hoping for, um, and I definitely am going to put a post about this. I am hoping and praying that they make some of the other books that she already has into audiobooks because it is vastly important. It is it would be great for the culture. I think many people will get into it. And again, we're we're in such a digital age that it's harder to read, but I was able to literally let it play through my Bluetooth, let it play through my car. I stopped it when I got out of it. I, I started it back when I got back in the car, driving, you know, this, that, and the third. And, like, some of the chapters were long and some of the chapters weren't. And it just, it really, really is good. I've got, I, Nia, Nia's long, Nia Long's reading got me submerged in this, this story. It is so so good. So once again, make sure you check it out. That Sister Soldier, Life After Death. That is not a sponsor, but it is one of my favorite, new favorite books that um I can't I can't guarantee I can't say that I've read because I didn't read it personally, but I definitely listened to, absorbed it, could tell you things that have happened and <clears throat> all of, all of the things. Um, I just I literally am in love with the book. Again, I do recommend the audiobook because I do feel like it is a harder read. Um, especially for those that like have read it before or not familiar with it or familiar with the work. It is a harder read, and I think that the audiobook and Nia Long reading it made it so much better. And Nia did voices. Nia, um, she Oh gosh, she just did an amazing job as an actress, as the read. I, I sped up the tempo and the read a little bit, um, just so it, it it didn't feel as like robotic or it wasn't slow, but it felt like someone actually reading a story to me, and it was so so good. So once again, Sister Soldier, Life After Death. Um, all right, so moving back on to the Ratchet and Ridiculous corner of the program yes and as you can see from today's title today's title is another one because it is now officially march 9th as i am recording this you already know it's one of my most humblest days in hip-hop it is the day that the notorious big passed away in 1997 his memory, his legacy will always be be missed. But before, one more time before we get into the Righteous and Ridiculous, let's go over the biggie. I got a story to tell. I got a couple of thoughts and opinions on this. Um, I, I want to say this without being disrespectful, but I kind of am at a point where I want to be like, is this still a money grab? You know what I'm saying? Like, and the reason why I say that is because what more do we have left? Like, we've, we've, un, we've tried to unravel this case. We've unraveled a case between him and Pac for years. We've, um, gone into it and we've got a biopic out of it. Um, we've gotten hella documentaries about it. And then now we have another one. So I did watch, a, um, I got a story to tell. I do like that it was very, um, it was very much so intuitive on him as an artist, him as a rapper, um, him as, you know, trying to be an entrepreneur and all the things that he was going to be and told, of course, from the story of the people that knew him. Cause you know, like I said before, D-Rock was in there, Mr. C, Miss Wallace, and it wasn't as much of Puff or Faith like that. And I do like, uh, I do like that part. Um, you know, we met his uncle, we met his grandmother, you know, all the things that we may not have personally seen before. I just feel honestly, in my most humble opinion, 
<clears throat> that as much as I love Big, I love Big's flow. I love his cadence. I love the stories that this man told. I mean, he was so young doing it and we were like, oh, if he can do it, we can do it. Um, I just think that there has to be a point where we have to say, okay, when is this the line between respect and disrespect? Because we, this documentary that's been on hold for four years comes out March 1st, closer to the death, which is, you know, today, March 9th. And it's like, yo, are we still... Do, what more What more does the man have to give? You know what I'm saying? It's nothing that is any relevance. It's nothing. And the vast majority of things, maybe some footage that we hadn't seen before, but the vast majority of it was the same things that we always talk about. So for me, I, I, I feel, and I, and I could be all the way wrong, but I do feel like it is a money grab. I feel like, and, and, and who benefits from it? I, you know what? I'll be honest with you. I don't know. To be honest, I really don't know who benefits from that. But what I do know is that it is just, it, it is entirely too much to see the same thing over and over again and us reliving this. Like, his legacy is cemented. He's cemented in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The The man has a street that's named after him. You know what I'm saying? On his old street. His legacy can never be undone. It can never be undone. I don't think that we need to continuously be a dead horse in order for that to be the case. However, um, we're going to celebrate him today. And if you heard the track prior to, which you'll hear again at the end of the show, that was by my man DJ Evil Empire. So I really do appreciate that. And again, I, I love Big with all my heart. I just don't want us to do a money grab every time his death date or his birth date you know which is in may comes up like I, I don't think that we need to continue to do that but we do need to celebrate the music we need to celebrate the life the accomplishments the legacy that he has i i i felt like that was the intent that they were going for however i do feel like it is the same repetitive thing <clears throat> anyway into ratchet and ridiculous drake and rick ross are reportedly working on a joint album Drake made his long-awaited return last night with his Scary Hours 2-pack featuring three new tracks, including Lemon Pepper Freestyle with Rick Ross. And there may be more collaborations in store for the OVO rapper and the MMG boss. According to Chad Ochocinco, uh, why Chad of all people? <laughs> the two still have plans to release a joint album. Spotify's Rap Caviar Twitter account via Hip Hop and more asks fans to share their favorite Drake and Ross collaboration. The former NFL star raised eyebrows when he claimed that the duo is working on a joint album. Quote, the joint album they're doing together with Unseat all with, with Unset All Projects they've done to date tweeted johnson <clears throat> while the claim is unconfirmed this would not be the first time drake and ross have sparked rumors of a joint effort their yolo tape was never released but ross didn't rule out a future project with drizzy quote you never know what could happen in the future but me and drake him being in Miami at the time in 2011, 2012, and him coming to my crib every day, we were spending a lot of time together. He told Complex last year, quote, and it was serious. It was a serious possibility. We wasn't just talking shit. We really was in the studio a lot. It's just not the same no more, meaning the way he traveled and the way I move. But it's possible. There's always a possibility for that because it would be a, it would be simple for us. End quote. Their collaboration dates, their collaborations date back over a decade. Um, and it includes songs such as Aston Martin Music, I'm on one, Gold Roses, Money in the Grave, and Dice Pineapples. Quote, I think whenever we get in the booth, I always play the big brother role, and he always plays the young fly brother, Ross said on his bond with the Drake. From day one, when I met him, he was just one of them niggas that I really fuck with. He knew I wouldn't, <clears throat> I would have gotten my shoes muddy for him. 
We all became family and it just continued to be that way, end quote. In addition to dropping Scary Hours 2 and the video for What's Next, Drake launched his 24-hour radio station, Sound 42, on SiriusXM where he revealed that he will he will still finish his album Certified Lover Boy. I am actually really, really, really excited for that too. I know always I'm always excited for good music, but I want I want a I want a Drake album. I'm looking forward to a Drake album. Um I've I have a couple of Ross albums that that I love, you know, hustle just I want them to do a full collaboration. I think it would be, I think it would be dope. They've done many great songs they've collaborated on. They've collaborated on each other's albums, on songs that weren't listed and marked as well. So I think this will be a great one for the culture to be a great experience. I think, yeah, yo, it's, it, it literally, it's so weird. It is so weird to say that it has been a decade. It has literally been 10 years. Of them just collaborating because Drake, Nikki, the whole Young Money crew, they all came in around that 2010 shift. And that was the time the music was changing. Um, that was the time that we were kind of coming out of the CD age to more of a digital age. Like, yeah. It, and there are still people that it, there are still people that buy the hard copies. I used to really honestly, and this is kind of what this show has always been based on was the CDs that, you know, I have and that I love. And those were the ones that I would play on a regular basis. However, like now, uh, and that's kind of why you won't see me go into stuff that may be in the 2010-ish category. However, I still may do it. I still may touch on some albums and they're critically acclaimed, especially when you have albums that like, um, like Drake's and Nicky's that have been solidified for so long. So I still may do those albums as well, even though I didn't get the physical copies. I never really got the physical copies, but I still had the digital downloads. So I may still rock with that as well, which is so great. Um, but looking forward to that. <clears throat> Moving on. Nas says none of today's rappers are keeping him up at night. Nas is not losing sleep over today's rappers. In an interview with the Financial Times, the hip-hop icon was asked about the current state of hip-hop and who he's listening to these days. While he does while he does stay uh, on top of the latest music, no one in particular is piquing his long-term interest. Quote, I appreciate what's out there, but there's no one keeping me up at night, said Nas. Quote, I hear a new rap record and think it's great, but doesn't. But I don't listen to it the next week, end quote. The last rapper to impress him was Pop Smoke. He quotes, we were happy to see this young king come up, he said, of the Brooklyn rapper. Quote, he was a breath of fresh air. The drill movement in London, Chicago, and New York was really exciting, end quote. He also had some advice for today's artists trying to navigate the industry. Quote, the business is hard and not many artists make it. But as long as you keep your soul, so long as you are happy knowing you're con you contributed something positive to the atmosphere, and you then you can't lose, said Nas. No one gets out unscathed, you know. There's going to be some tribulations, but you're not going to make music. I'm sorry, but you're, but you're here to make music, change lives, and help people. End quote. Let me tell y'all something. Nas said he don't give a fuck about y'all new rappers, okay? He's still going to be the goddamn king. Nas said he could give two shits about what y'all new rappers is talking about. Nas ain't got... He's Queen Bridge. He got shit on a lot. He don't give a fuck about that shit. And, and Nas is right. I will say this. I actually recently got into... Well, not recently. I want... Because recently sounds like this year. But no, like... When... And I've said this many times. And y'all know how my love for Nicki. And I hate to say it like this. But... When Nicki did a co-sign for him by doing the remix to Welcome to the Party, there have been other songs where I'm just like, yo, Smoke was the sh was going to be the shit. Like, I'm so mad that this young man's life was cut down so tragically. He was like, what, 21, 22? And that's exactly, it, it's different because that's exactly where Big was. You know what I'm saying? Like, Big was, 
was right in that. But I think that we've gotten, for lack of better terms, I want to say, like, very desensitized. You know what I'm saying? Like, very desensitized to that factor. Like, yo, another rapper died. Okay. And and we kind of, like, have moved on. I mean, for Big, even after... And again, it was the 90s. It was the 90s moving into the earlier 2000s. And it was just like, yo, we kept the legacy alive. How do we keep it moving? How do we keep focusing? How do we keep going? And we did that, and rap was actually under a, a, a serious microscope because it was changing. It had changed from its dance root cultures to more of a gangster, urban hip hop feel. So it, it it changed and was magnified tenfold. And now it's become the the voice and, and the feel of the culture. So um, I say all of that to say that I, I think that Pop Smoke could have made a different change. His sound was different. I, that's what I liked. I was instantly drawn into it. Because even when he was like, welcome to the party. And it was his voice was just like super deep and raspy. And I'm like, who is this? Like, yo, this this is dope. And then, and then again, I don't know how, I don't know how the child makes it to every conversation. But again, putting... Having Nikki on that Welcome to the Party track for people that are obsessed, like myself apparently, <laughs> obsessed with Nick, and she bodied the track, I'm like, all right, cool. And it was one of those times that she bodied the track and I wasn't turned off by the rest of the track. You feel what I'm saying to you? It was still, it was still enough in there. And Pop Smoke is definitely one of those artists that um, I think would have been great. But I, I he does not... The difference between him and Big is this. One, Big had a, sec- had a second album that was already in the works by the time he died. And two, Big already was doing so much more work. There was so much work. There was so much groundwork. There was Junior Mafia. There was, you know, there was this. There was, you know, his beef with Craig Mack. You know, uh, the beef with... It was so much. There was so much that was in our face and in the magazines at the time. That was a little different. But for the newcomer to be getting his new comeuppings and automatically just just taken out of, out of his prime, it's hard to say that there's a whole legacy. You know, we can we can live off the C D like we live off uh uh um like we live off the of bigs, but we can't there's no type of love for that music like there was for Biggs. Um so I think that you know that is a tragedy. Moving on. Jay Z sells majority of title to Square. Jay Z is making more power moves after selling half of Armad de Brick Brignick, I, I hate, I hate that. To LVMH, Moet, Hennessy, Louis Vuitton, the hip hop mogul has sold a majority ownership stake in Title to Square Incorporated. The mogul, pay, the mobile payments company, expects to pay a mix of cash and stock of two hundred and ninety-seven million. For the streaming music service, it was announced Thursday, March 4th. Title will operate independently within Square alongside the seller and cash app ecosystem. The deal allows Square to extend its platform to musicians by giving them systems, tools, and financial freedom to reach their goals. It comes down to one simple idea. Find new ways for artists to support their work, said Square CEO Jack Dorsey. New ideas are found at intersections and we believe there is a compiling one between music and the economy. A new title was something special as soon as I experienced it and it will continue to be the best home for music, musicians and culture. Jay-Z is expected to join Square's board of directors after the deal closes, while Title's existing artist shareholders will continue to be co-owners. Quote, I said from the beginning that Title was about more than just streaming music, and six years later, it has remained a platform that supports artists at every point in their career, says Sean Jay-Z Carter. 
artists deserve better tools to assist them in the creative journey. Jack and I have had many discussions about titles, endless possibilities that have made me more inspired about his futures. This shared vision makes me even more excited to join the Square board. Jay-Z also returned to Twitter to celebrate the announcement and share a title playlist of inspired songs. Quote, the partnership will be a game changer for many. I look forward to all new, to all this new chapter has to offer. End quote. He added. <clears throat> Back in December, it was reported that Jay-Z was in talks with Dorsey to sell title as part of a push for Square to diversify. The moguls are photographed in the Hamptons in August and then again in November in Hawaii. Jay-Z acquired title from Swedish company Aspro in March 2015 for a reported $56 million title, which boosted listeners in more than 56 countries, hasn't reported subscriber figures since 2016 when it had 3 million paying customers. The Square deal arrives less than two weeks after Jay-Z announced that he would sell half uh, he will sell 50% of his luxury champagne brand Armand de Brignac, aka Ace of Spades to LVMH, Moet Hennessy, Louis Vuitton. Um Yay, Jay-Z. Okay, that's power moves right there. But I, I love the fact that Jay said that years ago. He definitely was, he was like, yo, this is going to be more than just the music. Uh, I think on the consumer side for us, it's more of the music um, artists. It's going to give artists the platforms that they that they need, that they deserve. Um, I think I've even witnessed SoundCloud kind of try to get into the mix a little bit more so you don't just become a quote-unquote SoundCloud rapper, but there are definitely different avenues for you to go ahead and make money. Um, there's going to be a new digital era with that. And, um, you know, the fact that you'll have stocks, stock, so your money is in, is already previously invested for you as an artist. Um, and that you get to, I think it, uh, what makes that dope is that your money is already invested for you and you get to um, work as an artist. I think that part of it is is great. Um, I love the fact of the whole creativity of it all. Like, I don't really have anything negative about this. I think that this is um, a very, very, very positive situation. Uh, this next one, I don't know, because I feel a certain kind of way about this, but Will Smith says he would consider running for political office. Hmm. We Didn't we just flame Kanye about this, though? Okay, Will Smith may... Have a future in politics. The 52-year-old actor reveals that he still has aspirations to one day run for office. While appearing on Crooked Media's Pod Save America podcast, Smith was asked whether he would consider throwing his hat into the political arena. Quote, I think for now, I'll let that off that office get cleaned up a little bit, and then I'll consider that at some point down the line, he said, quote, as... I absolutely have an opinion. I'm optimistic. I'm hopeful. I believe in understanding between people and I believe in the possibility of harmony. Added Smith, I will certainly do my part, whether it remains artistic or at some point ventures into the political arena. This is not the first time the former Fresh Prince has expressed an interest in in politics. In 2015, Smith said he has felt compelled to run against Donald Trump following controversial comments made by the 45th president of the United States. Quote, if people keep saying all the crazy kind of stuff they've been saying on the news lately about walls and Muslims, they're going to force me into the political arena, he told CBS Sunday morning. However, his presidential campaign ultimately never got off the ground. I was thinking about it a bit. You know, I watched Barack Obama for the last eight years, and that's a hard job, he told the late show with Stephen Colbert in 2016. I definitely had the itch. I have lots of views and ideas. Sometimes I hear people say things on television, and I want to run against them. 
During Monday's episode of Pod Says America, Smith also discussed his experiences with racism. Quote, I've been called N-word to my face probably five or six times. And fortunately for my psyche, I've never been called N-word by a smart person. He said, I grew up with the impression that racists and racism were stupid and they were easy to get around. I just had to be smarter. Now, while they were very dangerous, I had never looked into the eyes of a racist and saw anything that I perceived as intellect. Smith appeared on the podcast to promote his latest pod pro- yeah, project, Amen, The Fight for America, a six-part Netflix document- documentary series that analyzes the history of the 14th Amendment. Okay. So I, I did see that I have seen Amend on um on Netflix. I have not clicked on it yet. But um I don't okay. So Will Smith for president. Um I am not thrilled about that. Um Forty five kind of left a bad taste in our mouth for anyone in an entertainment field to be president. Like I want you to have maybe at least have a Senate seat, a governor's seat before you just jump to being president. Um, number one. Number two, um I don't think that this would I, I, I hate to be this person. I don't think that this would be a good look for for the Smith brand. Because if Obama left out squeaky, squeaky clean with nothing, nothing about him having a mistress, nothing cheating, nothing, this, that, and the third. And we already just had this whole August Alcina situation. America, I don't know if we're ready for that. I don't know if we're ready for that. And I don't know if the Smith brand is ready to handle all of that scrutiny. Like, it's one thing to be scrutinized because you are a public figure. But it's a whole other thing to decide to run the country and be scrutinized as well. And then also, you also have to ask yourself, especially after watching many of the, like, the Red Table Talks and all of that, is Jada even work, ready for all of that? You know what I'm saying to you? Because, like, yo, know, she, she's, you know, trying to be more of a private person but still public and you know she she likes her type of privacy and all that i don't find i don't think jada is um oh, oh, well you know i don't think that jada is ready to be the first lady now i ain't gonna say she'd be a fly as first lady let's be clear uh, i don't know if anybody is ready to be scrutinized that hard you know what i'm saying and, and granted everybody is not i will say michelle obama is a whole thug Let's be clear. Like, Michelle Obama is a whole thug. I literally watched a documentary with her. And when they, when she sat down so regally, so gracefully, bit her lip. And literally took in what they were saying to her. Like, hey, um, this is what people are saying about your style. This is this is what people are saying about your hair. Like you need to you need to change these things. And she didn't get angry and she didn't get upset. Even though I, I mean, I don't know if the latter of us could have even thought remotely to be like, uh, look, what y'all mean? Like, what you talking about? Like, what you mean? Like, I honestly commend Michelle Obama for taking that type of criticism because you're not taking that type of criticism from somebody that you're trying you're trying to impress or get a job from. Like, you're taking that type of criticism from the world, the United States. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and the world. Let's be clear. And the world. Like, you're taking that type of criticism that hard. And I don't physically think that the Smith family is up for that type of challenge. You know what I'm saying? To you, like, they were already, they were already pissed that they had to address the August Alcina situation at all, period, point blank, even though that happened allegedly a, a few years ago imagine anything else coming to the surface like when you get into political office political office is 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 nasty it gets nasty and we've watched it and we've all witnessed it where they go in and they go into your life and your background and where you're from and what you did and who did this and who shot john and then who you're running with they get real they get real salty i mean running against i'm sorry it, they get real salty and then they want to get in your business and then they want, you know, like 
all of those things are valid things that happen. And I just don't feel like the Smith family is a for Do I feel as though they have amazing views? Yes. Do I feel as though that they give a lot to the culture and they have a lot of content that, that we can absorb and take from our lives as people? Yes. But does that also make a good president? No. It does not. Moving on. <laughs> Little Wayne announces new Young Money compilation. Am I going to skip? No, I, I'm not skipping the story yet. Actually, I might skip that last one. Um, don't know. I don't know how I feel. Anyway, <laughs> Little Wayne announces new Young Money collaboration compilation. It's the return of Young Moolah, baby. <laughs> Little Wayne has revealed that another Young Money compilation is in the works. During an interview with uh, Fox Sports Radio up on Game Podcast via Hip Hop and More, Wheezy said it will feature the label's next generation of stars. Quote, we about to put the the compilation together with all the artists together on one album, he said. This sets up everything for everybody so they could start coming out with their solo projects as well. Additionally, Tunchi recently shot a video for his single Ain't Got Time featuring Fouché, Fouché, uh, which dropped in January. I'm so proud of that one right there. That girl is super talented, he said, of this collaboration. When asked his favorite song, Wayne said it was something he recorded the night before called Rocket Fire. It's been seven years since the last Young Money compilation, Rise of an Empire, which featured appearances from Drake, Nicki Minaj, and Tyga. The first Young Money compilation was in 2009, We Are Young Money, which spawned um, hits like, what was it, Bedrock, Every every girl and Roger that, um, yeah, super excited for that. I do actually hope that if there's a new roster, um, that we that we still get songs from Drake, we get songs from Nicki, we get songs from from Tyga, you know, so on and so forth. Some of the old some of the old heads, and I hope that there's a new roster of artists that are coming up with that. I think that's gonna be dope. I really do. I really believe that that will be a moment all right so it is now that time again it is that time again because it is the n-o-t-o-r-i-o-u-s you just lay down slow yo it is march 9th and we couldn't do anything without doing another another amazing album I love this album. What I'm about to read does not consist that many people love the album. However, it was so great. From the title, we are doing the Biggie Duets, the final chapter. I loved it. I thought this album was amazing. And there are songs on here that are just some of my favorites. Unfortunately, it wasn't as critically acclaimed. And I think that people started to get to that point, And especially when this and this album came out that it was it was very much so like yo he he would never work with these people and it, it felt like again a money grab at this point however this is still one of my favorite big albums yes I will cover Life After Death very soon there will be another one that's on, on the radar but I didn't want to cover it for this one I just wanted something that was my celebration and just homage to Big and this is actually one of my favorites. But Duets, the final chapter, some refer to it as the Biggie Duets, is the second post-Thomas album by late American rapper, the Notorious B.I.G. And is a collection of songs featuring appearances of other prominent rappers. The album was released by Bad Boy and Atlantic Records in the UK on December 19, 2005 and in the US on December 20th and charted at number three, selling 438 copies 
beating beaten by the extremely high sales of Jamie Foxx Unpredictable and Mary J. Blige's The Breakthrough. In the UK, it climbed as high as number 13 after the release of the album's first single, Nasty Girl. It is his second post-Thomas album that was certified platinum and is said to be his last album of mainly new material. The album featured orchestrated duets between Biggie and a number of popular rappers and singers, much like the previous LP, Born Again, in 1999. Biggie's lyrics come from studio pieces of some of the songs he created during his life. His verse from Notorious Thug and Spit Your Game, as long, uh, along with some less common lyrics, a freestyle from promotional tape on Hustler's Story, and unreleased material, Biggie verses in Living in Pain, come from unreleased songs from Ready to Die called House of Pain. All remixed into duets, the package also included a DVD featuring previously unreleased performance footage and several of Biggie's music videos. Footnote. I also did not like... This is why I always... I, I, I keep... I stress... Mistress... Mistress the, the importance of having a legacy. But sometimes we do too much. Here's, here's a thought that I had about this. I don't know if anybody ever remembers, and this was recent. This was, this was like, I, we did, me and O.O. Beats did this. We talked about this on one of the shows, but there, cause I, I had him listen to it. It was a King and I project from Faith Evans that she did. And it was very much so in the vein of like Born Again and, um, the Biggie Duets. It was horrible. It was horrible. Like, Big's music is one of those things where, musically, you have to be in tune and in touch with the moment. Because Big big shit was just like, yo, it was the moment. Like, the moments that you in there, that's the moment that it, whether you sparking a lie, whether you drinking, whatever you were doing in that studio at that moment was the moments that it was created. And that's when the magic happened. You feel me? So, to kind of recreate it, a lot of times didn't leave the best taste in people's mouths. I, as far as the duets is concerned, loved it because there were a lot of artists at the time that I really fucked with and I loved. And like there, there's um there's a song with him and Missy on there. And I think I, I believe he would have definitely worked with Missy. But yes, I do believe that there are artists that are on here that at the time that he would not have worked with at all. Um so critical reception, and I kinda say I said all of that going into the critical reception because I, you know, I, I get it. The album has received generally very mixed reviews by critics. Peter Relic of Rolling Stone gave the album only two stars out of five and commented that the title was wrong because the majority, because uh, the major presence of other artists, not the notorious B.I.G. Relic, also pointed out the appearances by artists who he believed not to contribute much substance. Andy Kilman of All Music rated the album 2.5 out of 5. Uh, Soren Baker of uh, Los Angeles Times gave it 2 stars out of 4. However, Steve Jones of USA Today gave it all 4 stars. Method Man in particular was a huge critic of the album who stated, They got niggas on this album big would never work, would never rock with for real. He also brought up the fact that he was the only rapper that Big chose to have on his debut album, Ready to Die, which is so true. My, one of my favorite songs is the what? I don't give a fuck what nobody says. It is one of my favorite songs. Um, I, and footnote, I do believe that Big would have worked with other artists. I believe that Big would have figured out how the landscape was changing because he was a hustler. Let's be clear. He was a hustler. He would have figured out how the landscape was changing and he would have created a sound that would have been with, within that if he was still living. I do believe that. I believe that Meth definitely was talking about a few particular artists and I, I don't think that a lot of them that he would have worked with. But um, I am, I, I am, I'm still happy with this project. I really am. 
uh singles the album's first single was nasty girl featuring p diddy nelly jacket edge avery storm jazzy faye and fat joe it took biggie's vocal samples from the song nasty boy the single climbed to number one in the uk in its second week of release where it stayed for two weeks and became his first and only number one single there the single also helped the album climb to number 13 and therefore duets the final chapter became the highest charting album to date there out peaking the 20 the number 23 position of life after death in the u.s nasty girl made number 45 on billboards hot 100 and the single also made the top 20 in australia the second single from the album spit your game which is one of my favorites Featuring Twisted and Crazy Bone, a double A-side single with Hold Your Head, a duet with Bob Marley, which also originally the B-side to Nasty Girl in the UK and Australia. Spit Your Game is a remake of the Biggie song Notorious Thug. Hold Your Head was produced by Clinton Sparks and features a sample of the Marley song John Johnny Was. It features Biggie's vocal samples from Suicidal Thoughts. Um, so all in all, this particular album for me was still a great, great body of work. I'm going to go over the track listing just to give you a, a, a whole thing. So it starts off with Big living in Jamaica and just kind of gives you this intro of Big and him living in Jamaica and, you know, just that, that feel, you know, of what his roots and his heritage meant to his music, the art and everything else. Um, it has been said, it, it has been said, I believe, and I want to, I want to kind of figure out as I go through this, who meth was talking about, but I do believe that, um, all right. It has been said features Diddy, Eminem and Obi Trice. Definitely rest in peace, Obi Trice, but definitely think that big would have collaborated with M hands down. M definitely was spitting at that time spit your game um i think that that if big was still alive this just would have been a remix and it probably would have had a, a whole nother verse that big would have done but spit your game features twister bone thugs and harmony uh no for what you want uh which is the commission this is one of my favorite fucking songs when Jay goes, lucky lefty of the commission, nigga, bow down. Y'all fuckers know this is our town. Brooklyn, Biggie, best I hold, behold. I'm missing a verse. The fly is, mm, mm, yeah, whatever. Anyway, good ass song. Make sure y'all go check it out. Get Your Grind On uh, featuring Big Pun and Fat Joe and Freeway. Um, again, I think he would have worked with all of those people. Living the Life. Snoop Dogg, Ludacris, Faith Evans, Sherry Dennis, and Bobby Valentino. Now, I don't think he would have worked with Bobby Valentino. Um, Snoop, maybe Ludacris, of course, Faith, Sherry Dennis, only because she was on Bad Boy at the time. But I don't think he would have worked with Bobby Valentino. Um, I just, I don't, for some reason, I don't foresee it. And again, Bobby was hot, was in, in there at the time. So maybe hot at the, I, I, you, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to touch it. Uh, the Greatest Rapper, which was an interlude, 1970-something, um, featuring The Game and Faith Evans. Again, a very good collab. Uh, Nasty Girl, which we talked about before, which had Diddy Jacket Edge, Avery Storm, so on and so forth. Um, Living in Pain. Um, this had Tupac, had a verse from Tupac, um, Mary J. Blige and Nas on it. I definitely think that he would have worked with all of them. I really don't think, I, I'm not... I don't know. Um, I'm with whatever. Now, I'm with whatever was one of those songs. I don't really remember Big having a verse on this, and that was that was a weird thing too, because um, it had Little Wayne, it had Joel Santana, and Jim Jones, and I was like, mm. beef with Mob Deep, definitely. Uh, my dad interlude him talking about his dad, Hustler Story, Scarface, Akon, and Big G. Again, more people I don't think he would have worked with. Um, Breaking Old Habits, T.I. and Slim Thug. I think that would have happened. Um, Ultimate Rush featuring Missy Elliott. I think that would have happened. Mikasa featuring R. Kelly and Charlie Wilson. 
Um, R. Kelly probably at the time, yes. I don't think that Big probably would have worked with him later on in life. Charlie Wilson, of course, absolutely. Um, Little Homie, Interlude, Hold Your Head featuring Bob Marley. Uh, that would have been something that definitely would have happened. Um, Just a Memory featuring the clips. Wake Up um, featuring Corn. And I think some of these were on the European version too. And um, Love is Everlasting, which was the outro. Uh, some, so you know everything was, of course, sampled with Biggie's vocals. But other credited samples, it has been said, which is pretty much Victory by Puff Daddy featuring the Notorious B.I.G. Spit Your Game is My Ship Is Coming by Walter Jackson. Living the Life is Take Time to Tell Her by Jerry Butler. Living in Pain is Blue Sky, uh, Blue Sky Silver Bird by Lamont Dorsey. Um, I'm with whatever is the is the Halloween theme by John Carpenter, uh, which it is. It really is. Ultimate Rush, which is Drugs by Little Kim. Beef, My Other Love by Beanie uh, Sigler, and Hold Your Head, Johnny Was, which was by Bob Marley, of course. Um, so those were just some of the tracks. And then there were other unused tracks. So there was a track called The Grind that had 50 Cent on it. Um, the Funk, which had Redman, Busta Rhymes, and Nate Dogg. Damn, I wish I could... They need to bring out these tracks. Uh, Make It Hot, featuring Ness and Asim. Um, Here We Go, featuring Q-Tip and Babs and Asim. Bust a nut featuring Too Short and Webby. That shit would be great. I'm gonna try to see if I can. I'm gonna see somebody lead these. Um, Three Bricks featuring Ghostface Killer and Raekwon. Okay, that might have been some of the other ones that he was talking about too. I don't think Meth would have probably. I don't know. I know at one point he did have a beef with Wu Tang. Um, later released a bonus track on Ghostface Killer's 2006 album, uh, Fish Scale. Okay. Uh, God Calling Me featuring Cannabis, Immortal Technique, and Noriega, and a couple of unknown tracks featuring Little C's, and It's Not a Game featuring Tupac, Big L, and Big Pun. That would have been a great one, though, if they would have put that together well, because that's pretty much all New York, and then, of course, the West Coast with Pac. But, anyway... This album was an amazing, amazing album. I loved it. I think it was a great way to end tribute with Biggie. I was very upset about the King and I situation. I do not think that it did well. I don't think that um, it, it meshed well. I wish that they could have done a album while he was alive. Like, a, a definitely an R&B and hip-hop album while he was alive would have been amazing. But that wraps up this week's episode. Yo, Love Big to Death, one of the most iconic, prolific, um, thought-provoking rappers of a time. And what we do not realize, and we have to, I think Big was like 24 when he died. He was a child. You know what I'm saying to you? Like, big people in a bigger demeanor makes makes you think that they, they were more adults. They were kids. They were kids. C's and Kim were like 16 and 17. You know what I'm saying? Like Puffy wasn't no more than 20, 21, 22. Uh, not, not when he died, but like just in general around the, around the whole time frame. They were kids. And they set forth and blazed the path and changed the sound, the feel, the emotion of what hip-hop is today. There is not one person that does not accredit big for what they do. I... Even in rapping, a credit big to what I do because his flow, his cadence was a musical melody. Quote Diddy, because Diddy actually said that, but I had to think about it. But it was a musical melody. It was, it was very, like Big also did not listen to just hip hop. You know what I'm saying to you? Like, I love hip-hop with all of my soul, but hip-hop also encompasses so much more. It encompasses R&B. It encompasses pop and rock and all of these things. And and there are different drum patterns and, ev- and everything else. It is a part of my life that I will always remember. It is the pinnacle of what I do. Um, 
big I I love you. I love you for what you did. Like, yo, I I will say this. This is the weirdest thing ever, but if you really listen to Ready to Die, take a gummy, you know what I'm saying? To take some THC, take a little weed, drink whatever, and really digest that whole album. It is a story. It is amazing. One of the things on the um I got a story to tell that Miss Wallace said was she was like a friend of hers bought the album for Ready to Die before she did. And she was like, oh my gosh, there's so much profanity on it and this, that, and third. And Miss Wallace was like, profanity? Like, not my son, not Chris, not Christopher, not Christopher. You know what I'm saying? And I love the fact that she is the only person that calls him Christopher. Like, she calls him Christopher. She said she named him Christopher. She called him Christopher. So... Um, but she was definitely, um, uh, taken aback about listening to your children and, and the stories that he told. And he told a story that was in everybody. Like, yo, there was, there's a piece of everybody in Ready to Die. I promise you. And even Life After Death, just being very triumphant and, 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 you know, them moving into born again and having to kind of rush it in and put it through. There are definitely other tracks that are just like, yo, it's so uplifting. It's so, it's so much pushed to a forefront. But again, I, I, I could gush about big all day. Like, yo, I had to make sure I like rushed out and was like, I hit my man empire and was like, look, can I get another, can I get another drop? I need a, a big mix and I love the fact that he did this mix and as you can hear it's it's big it's it's from my hometown Baltimore so it's all of the things and I, I love I love music and I love hip hop forever and big thank you for completely changing the game and making it making it fun making it bigger than than what you could have ever imagined it to be to being honored and being in the hip hop hall of I'm sorry the the rock and roll hall of fame to being to being able to have your own street to being a brand people wear this people myself wear it in clothing for him I in this room still have at least and this is just me just doing it but I have a canvas picture of him in his Coogee sweater and I have another one in in his in his Kango hat and and gold chain that I that I took off the internet but you know, I love that. And then I have some more other pictures that I want that are coming. But Big is an inspiration. He's an inspiration to everybody. And he was going to be a mogul. He was going to be bigger. He was going to be, he was going to be bigger than life. So that is my fear. False evidence appearing real. It is only real in your mind if you make it real in your mind. As y'all can tell, I did not take a gummy today because I'm very clear and concise. Like, I'm so sorry about the last show, but I'm very clear and concise. Um, But Big is everything that embodies that. He was fear less and I and we all are so grateful for that um so don't forget that you can catch me on these internet streets you know what I'm saying to you can catch me on SoundCloud iTunes TuneIn Google Music um which is now YouTube Music, the Google Podcast Player don't forget for the iTunes the I'm sorry the Apple listeners make sure that you Hit your download so you can listen to this anywhere on your Purple Podcast player. I'm on Spotify and the YouTube show. Like I said, this Saturday, we're going to have my man, I am Travis Case, on one of the most dopest voice actors. We're going to talk about all of that stuff, everything else. Don't forget about the kick that lyric. Yo, I appreciate y'all for chilling with the kid. So, you just listened to another episode of Kicking It with Young Smooth. Now, don't you feel better about it? Alright, I know you do. Look, I will talk to y'all next week. The Empire. The Empire. The Empire. This is the 10 Crack Commandments. Uh, uh. They can't tell me nothing about this coke. Uh-huh. <laughs> can't tell me nothing about this crack, this weed. Some of my hustling niggas. Uh-huh. Niggas on the corner. I ain't forget you niggas. My triple B niggas. Uh-huh. I've been in this game for years. Uh-huh. It made me an animal. There's rules to this shit. Uh-huh. I wrote me a manual, a step-by-step booklet for you to get.
know your next move. Don't you know bad boys move in silence and violence, take it from your highness. Uh-huh. I done squeeze mad clips at these cats for their bricks and chips. Number three, never trust nobody. Your mom set that ass up, properly gassed up. Hoodie the mask up, she, for that fast buck. She be laying in the bushes to light that ass up. Number four, know you heard this before. Never get high on your own supply. Number five, never sell no crack where you rest at. I don't care if they want to ounce, tell them bounce. Number six, that goddamn credit, get it. You take a crackhead paying your back, shit, forget it. Seven, this rule is so underrated. Keep your family and business completely separated. Money and blood don't mix like two dicks and no bitch. Find yourself in serious shit. Number eight, uh, never keep no weight on you. Them cats that squeeze your guns can hold jumps too. Number nine, should have been number one to me. If you ain't getting back, stay the fuck with police. Uh-huh. If niggas think you're snitching, they ain't trying to listen. They be sitting in your kitchen, waiting to start hitting. Number ten, a strong word called consignment. Strictly for live men, not for freshmen. Uh-huh. If you ain't got the clientele, say hell no. Cause they gon' want their money, rain sleep, hell slow. Follow these rules, you have mad bread to break uh-huh. up. If not, 24 years on the wake up. Slug hit your temple, watch your frame shake up. Caretaker to Jamaica. When you pass, your girl fuck my man Jacob. Heard in three weeks, she sniffed a whole half a cake up. Heard she suck a good dick, echo like a steak up. Gotta go, gotta go, more pots to bake up. Word up, uh. Crack King, drink this up. Empire. The Empire. The Empire.